0: Here it is, the most listened to radio show on the planet, even the other stations are tuned in too.
1: Hi, I'm Evan Ponstingle, the author of King's Island, A Ride Through Time. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is E Etai from Theme Park HQ, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast.
0: Hi, this is Jeff Joiner. You might know me as Coaster Dad or Logan's Dad from Coaster Kids. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Jason Ginsberg, the creator of Fake Theme Park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast.
1: Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Did I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let's go through the Coaster Challenge podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, yes. I accept the
0: Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept cuz you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast a journey where people become fearful to fearless all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim
1: Dykes. Hello, this is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast. And today I'm talking with Steph Shainline from Emotional Roller Coasters, a graphic design illustrator and coaster webcomic author. Steph is also a coaster enthusiast who has a career goal of theming roller coasters. Welcome to the podcast, Steph.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: We are so incredibly honored to have you. Let's begin with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your graphic design illustrations, your comics. Tell us all about you. Share away. Sure. Sure.
0: <laughs> So I am a graphic and multimedia design major. I started as an education major. I would still like to teach eventually down the road. Started as an education major. And then Steel Vengeance came out. And Steel Vengeance had original characters made for the roller coaster, an entire elaborate storyline, and Maverick got a storyline. I switched my major. <laughs> I switched my, I, Steel Vengeance changed the trajectory of my entire life course. <laughs> So, my motivation for wanting to theme roller coasters is really this inspiration that I got from this storytelling experience and um, like Mystic Timbers at Kings Island. That was kind of like the seed, and then Steel Vengeance it really took root. And when Orion came out, oh, I was just ecstatic. <laughs> All of like the, it's such an immersive storyline, and it made me so excited because I would love to see like thrill parks because I don't really consider Disney to be a thrill park (laughs) I really want to see like a large amusement parks like Cedar Point put a lot of effort into the experience around a roller coaster
1: you know it's very interesting that you say that you started out as an education major because that's actually what I do I'm an elementary art and drama teacher oh nice and there's a, there's a whole other backstory there, because I actually started out with my degree in instrumental music education, mm-hmm. which slowly but surely led to what I do now. And I absolutely, absolutely love what I do and yeah. wouldn't have it any other way.
0: That's awesome.
1: Okay, so let's get down to talking about coasters. So that's what this podcast is all about. What was your very first roller coaster that you rode or that you remember riding?
0: Okay, so I have a quite weird story surrounding this. My parents and extended family are all coaster enthusiasts without being in the community. And so, um, you know, I grew up in Mason, I've lived in or lived next to Kings Island my entire life. And so since I was a baby, I have been going to the park and my parents literally raised me to like roller coasters. So my first ever ride was, it was at the time called the Beastie, so now Woodstock Express. It's iconic. It's it's so many people's first ride. Um, Back when I rode it, uh, you know, I'm 22, so back then there was no height requirement. You just had to be able to walk, which I could barely do. So my mom... She took me through line. She put me down in the station. I took my couple steps to the train. Ride ops were like, all right, yeah, she's good. Fair enough. I ride it. I hate it. I am screaming. I'm crying the entire time. Can't wait to get off. As soon as the ride ends, my mom scoops me back up and she takes me in line. and She tells me, Steph, we are going to ride this until you stop crying. And I'm like an 18-month-old. In a very stubborn one, <laughs> a very stubborn 18-month-old, we rode that. For so many times just over and over and over until I finally stopped crying and I actually enjoyed it it's a little bit of an odd thing but uh that's both how I conquered my fear of roller coasters and really got into roller coasters
1: well just like you the beastie was my first coaster as well but our backgrounds are very different You came from an enthusiast family. I grew up being told that everything was scary. Mm -hmm. Everything was scary. So it was literally pre programmed into my brain. We would go to Kings Island. I grew up back in Maysville, Kentucky. It's about an hour and a half from Mm -hmm. Kings Island. And it was like the night before Christmas every year, we went to Kings Island once a year. And I was never allowed to get on anything I wanted to try because it was all too scary. As I got older, it's interesting that the things you're told do get programmed into your brain. I finally, it was my senior night. We had a senior night at King's Island back in 1998. I'm sorry, 1994. I'm dating myself a little bit. That's okay. I was dared to ride vortex by a group of people from my high school. I'd never been on anything even remotely big in that park. And I was absolutely scared to death, but everybody was riding and I wasn't going to be the only one that wasn't riding. So I got on it and I was shocked that I actually enjoyed it. And that was back when vortex was running really well. And after I rode it, I was like, "What in the world have I been missing? I need to do more." So that was kind of what started it for me, little by little. But it's it's interesting the stories I tell now. I rode drop tower back when in my 20s, and the biggest thing I'd ever been on was vortex. The first time I got off a of drop tower, I walked sideways off of the ride and had to go sit down for 30 minutes. Oh no! Oh, no. And so. After we started facing fear, that was one of the top things on my list. And it was actually back in 2020. I said, I told my son, I said, it's time. I'm now ready to get my revenge on drop tower. Let's do this. (laughs) And now I've actually become a drop tower enthusiast as well. We were recently just on Falcon's Fury back over spring break. And it was absolutely incredible. But, um, yeah, it's taken me a long number of years to undo the fear that was pre-programmed into my mind as a child, but thankfully that's come a long way. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All right. So speaking of fear, out of all the coasters you've ridden, what's the one coaster that scared you the most?
0: I'm sure this is a common answer for people who have grown up around Mason, but son of beast. (laughs) I was a freakishly tall kindergartner. I was 48 inches by the end of kindergarten. I was like a stretched out piece of Laffy Taffy. (laughs) Yeah. So I rode Son of Beast with the loop at around six years old ish. I think it had, yeah, 48 inch height requirement. Somewhere, it was right before they took out the loop timeline wise, but I did get it. And, you know, the rule in my family was you have to ride everything at least once, but you have to ride everything. And so my dad took me on Son of Beast, and you know, as a six-year-old, I don't have many memories of it, but I do remember that little pre-drop, that curved to the side. So you get up the lift hill, you take a little dip as you curve um, towards the actual drop. But during that curve, I remember just looking out over Action Zone and being like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I, I, it's like at that moment I realized. There is no going back. I am about to, I, I'm about to do this now. Okay. And it's like, I've not been scared of coasters, but holy cow, there was something about that. And the entire time I, cause I was just like this little itty bitty thing, you know, barely big enough to ride. My dad rode like holding me the entire time. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I did that once naturally. Um, once they took the loop out, my dad had me do it again, but it's, it's. It was one of those rides where it was like, all right, I I did it. Cool. <laughs> we don't have to do that every time we come here, right? No. All right. Cool. cool.
1: <laughs> Actually, that your answer to that question was a nice change of pace because a lot of people answer top thrill dragster, and you know oh, that was no the character. one that <laughs> that was the one that scared me the most. Starting out, of mm-hmm. course, you know I conquered that fear. But that, was the, that seems to be the most common answer by far. Son of Beast, you were one brave little kid because I didn't ride that until I was in my 20s and I got to ride it with the loop. I didn't understand the hate for it. I loved it with the loop personally, but I heard that it got became unbearably rough was after the loop was removed. And I didn't get to ride for a number of years because that was when my son was born. And then I had my daughter in 2009. So I don't think I got to experience it when it became what others described as unbearably rough because mm-hmm. I had a real love for that ride. But even as an adult in my twenties, it absolutely scared me to death. The first time I rode it, I can't imagine <laughs> being a child, getting on that thing for the first time oh my goodness you
0: just sort of do it
1: <laughs> that had to be quite an experience
0: I mean from what I remember yeah it's, it's pretty that one scene burned into my mind
1: <laughs> one that will remain forever oh, yeah. in time <laughs> yeah so how were you feeling when you approached the station of Senebeast
0: I don't remember that part too much exactly I just remember I remember like the entrance of the queue because they had the big, like, sign in the box and everything, and it was a lot of feeling of, like, okay, we're gonna do this now, (laughs) Um, but my, because it was so long ago, my main memory is just being on the ride very much past the point of return. (laughs) In the end, I really did enjoy it. It might have made me a little skittish of the beast, (laughs) because it was, like, all right, another rickety giant wooden roller coaster, but I'm going to be honest, I'm a little more nervous approaching the station of like carnival mild, wild mouse rides than I am these big roller coasters. I know it sounds weird, the, the a little itty bitty thing, but I don't know, man, <laughs> if it could be put up and taken down in like a day and a half, that's not for me. <laughs> I'll ride it because I don't back down. But like, <laughs> I got my blessings before I get on that one.
1: <laughs> I call those rides just a little janky. Yes, yes,
0: yeah. janky.
1: I remember when I approached the station for Top Thrill Dragster that first time, I was actually very calm, which I didn't expect. I felt confident, I felt good
0: mm-hmm.
1: until I put my behind in the seat, and then reality set in and I realized I couldn't get out, and that's when my hands started shaking unbearably, and I didn't know if I could do it, so it was definitely different going through the station than when I was actually on the ride and about to launch for that first time. How did you feel when you got off of Beast for the first time?
0: A little shaky <laughs> from what I remember, um, but I think I was proud, like it was a big accomplishment in in my family doing it wasn't just you have to ride this roller coaster, it was like a whole celebration around it, it was a lot of like, like good job I'm so proud of you and so a lot of positive reinforcement for getting off of the ride and facing my anxiety and fears because I believe it or not I'm actually a very anxious person just not when it comes to roller coasters anything else yes sending emails absolutely roller coaster no problem (laughs) but it it's a sense of pride
1: you know and that's one of the things too that we've discussed with so many people of the podcast is finding a way to harness how we overcome that fear of coasters Mm -hmm. and putting it in other areas of our life. I know one of the things that um, overcoming fear has helped me to do. I used to be a very codependent person. I would do everything to make everybody else happy. It didn't really matter what it did to me or how much of myself that I sacrificed. And, you know, After overcoming fear after fear after fear, all of a sudden, I find myself being able to be more assertive. I'm able to stand up for myself when I need to. I'm able to stand my ground. I'm able to say no when I need to say no. You know, I'm able to say what I mean and mean what I say. And it was just fascinating to me how that happened, because that wasn't something I actually thought about as it was happening. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I've gone from being this introverted person that didn't want to be seen or heard to now, you know, I want to talk to people. I want to make friends and I want to see how much of an impact I can make on the community.
0: Oh yeah, that honestly, I was the exact same way. Very, very much a people pleaser. Still kind of am, but we're working on it. Um, but no, I was, I was the exact same way. And we're, being part of the community and then also working at King's Island has given me so much more confidence. Like I can order at McDonald's (laughs) and that's fantastic. Um, And, but the big thing like Kings Island, you know you, you get really good at confidence when you have to tell somebody who's screaming at you why their souvenir cup has to go in a locker or why their giant backpack has to go or why their actual baby cannot sit in their lap while they ride you have to deal with a lot and it's that confrontation that I'd always avoided in the past, but I, you know, it, I can't even, I can't even back down because if, when it's an issue of safety, I can't make an exception. And so I got really good at having the level of confidence to handle those situations appropriately and problem solve and make, come up with a solution that works for everybody. Um, but in a way that doesn't sacrifice, um, my needs, well, which, you know, I guess in that situation is technically the guest's needs still just in a way that they don't appreciate quite yet. But the community, that's what really got me out of my shell. Um I was also bullied in school as long as I could remember. I, I have ADHD, quite possibly autism as well. And I never really, it, it was like, I was always on the outside looking in or I was always somebody's pet. I was, always a little all over the place with my ideas and um, being part of the community for the first time was finally a place I felt like I actually fit in and belonged. And I have really thrived here despite all of the drama and everything that's been happening, but it's like, it's good. There's still a lot of good
1: in the community. Absolutely. And it's like, I tell people In any sort of community, you're gonna find bad if you look for it, but you're also gonna find a whole lot of good. Mm -hmm. And your experience largely depends upon what you look for and what you choose to focus on. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be your experience because there's both to be found any place you go with any group of people that you choose to involve yourself with. Okay, so after you got off a son of beast, do you feel that? riding that coaster has had a lasting impact on your life?
0: Well, it's a little miniature obsession of mine. So yeah, <laughs> I, it, it's in a, in a strange way because it re- it actually helped me get very invested in the thematic lore surrounding King's Island, especially because um, Cedar Point start, but prior to Orion being built, also had like like 2018 kind of time, also had teaser campaigns that included Sun and Beast. And I came up with this whole Cedar Fair thematic universe (laughs) for connecting a bunch of different rides in the chain story-wise. And Sun and Beast was really the catalyst of that because of the such unique theme of Outpost 5 and then how it was also automatically related to another ride in the park. And Mystic Timbers ended up, getting like an outpost five sign and, and you can draw the connections. <laughs> so it, it's it, in the immediate moment, it helps me get on bigger, faster, taller. And not that there's much that's bigger, faster and taller than some these, but <laughs> it, it helps me move on to even greater challenges with the confidence of knowing what I had already done. And then in the present, it continues to inspire me in my work today with coming up with really neat ideas and concepts for where parks can take their themes for their rides.
1: It's so interesting when you look back on your journey as an enthusiast and as a theming designer, how one thing just kind of leads to another and Mm -hmm. then leads to another and you don't realize it when it's happening until it's already happened. Mm-hmm. but it seems like everything definitely leads us to the place that we need to be over time. So what is your coaster count?
0: That's a really good question. How do you I, coasters? I, I, so <laughs> I, I think it's in the nineties. It's, it's between, we're going to give a rough ballpark. It's between, it's greater than like 75 for sure. I think okay. it's in the very low nineties or upper eighties, but I don't really keep track of my coaster count just because okay. it's, for some stuff, it's kind of hard. Like, I didn't know that I went to Darien Lake as a kid. Like, it's like a little kid until I saw a video of myself on the kiddie coaster there in a family video. I mean, I, I just jumped off the couch. I'm like, hold on a 2nd going <laughs> Gotta add, add that tally to the list. But, um, I I don't I don't pay too much. I'm not. I don't try to get every single credit. Actually, my first trip ever to Carowinds, I skipped half of the credits to just marathon fury. I was there for two days and I still was missing half the credits because of how many times I just rode Fury instead.
1: I don't blame you. The last time we went back in June, last June, and we're going again this June, we lucked out. Mm -hmm. The last time I had been to Carolyn's before last year was back in 2019. And that was before I, I knew how to ride Fury. -hmm. I was holding on for dear life, scared to death, wouldn't hardly let go of the restraint. And so I was on a mission when we went back last June. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna conquer Fury. And we like it was supposed to storm that day. So nobody came to the park. It barely rained a drop. And we took this friend of my son's that was with us around the park and got him all the credits. And then from 4.30 to 7, we got 25 rides in a row on Fury.
0: Holy cow. We got two (laughs) last,
1: we got two last train of the nights. Wow. And let us go twice. So so this year, my goal is to surpass that number. One of the reasons I asked you about your coaster count was I would like to know, thinking about all those coasters you've ridden, what is your craziest moment ever been on a coaster? So
0: one time. I'm going to think back. This is probably 2019. Um, I was riding Millennium Force in the front row with my grandma. My grandma is like 79. She has pancreatic cancer. She has had surgery on pretty much every single joint in her body. And she will, she called me actually just a couple of days ago to ask me what rides she can still get on at King's Island with uh, the state that she's, she she's literally has like a hernia and everything because <laughs> of surgery. And grandma first of all i'm not rap trained but grandma oh my gosh like you can't keep her off so my (laughs) my very old grandma was riding front row with me and i'd only eaten a pop tart that morning that morning and for anybody who says that millennium force is forceless that is bs because i blacked out not grayed out like i was fully like face planting on the hood blacked out by the time we reached that first tunnel And why it's so crazy is because I started dreaming um, and I was flying over, like I, I was, it was super bright flying over trees and stuff. And then all of a sudden I was in a hospital. I was in a hospital bed. My family was all around me and they were crying. And I was like, what the heck is going on? All of a sudden the fluorescent lights above me got super bright And all I could see was white. And then the first thing I saw was blue track on the ground uh, beneath me, which I instantly recognized as Millennium Force because, you know, it's my favorite ride of all time. And immediately I was like, oh my God, I'm dead. I'm dead and I'm in heaven because why wouldn't Millennium Force be in heaven? It's, you know, it's the greatest coaster ever. And, uh, you know, the picture starts to come back in and it was like, wait, what had just happened? And I asked my grandma, like, like, did, did I, did I black out? And she's like, what, what? I mean, you know, she, we're on the coaster. She can't hear us. We're co- and that, I came back to, um, right before we got our pictures. So of course my picture is all like, whoa, <laughs> but, um, getting off of that ride, I wasn't fully convinced that I was alive still. I'm like pinching myself, slapping my face. Like what, what is going on? I need some water. I just need to sit down my grandma goes, hey, like, cause there's no line, I was like, walk on, it was in the morning for early ride, and she goes, like, hey, Steph, you want to ride again, hell yeah, and so I, I just run back in line, <laughs> do it again, still day, you know, I'm like, you know what, if I'm dead, I'm dead, man, or Millennium Forest, it's all good, this is exactly where I'd want to be, <laughs> so, wrote it like, all right, maybe, maybe I'm, like, not dead, but, <laughs> See,
1: that's the craziest <laughs> you sound just like me I've been asked by a few people what are you gonna do if you fall out of that thing <laughs> I'm gonna go out with a bang yeah I'm gonna die doing what I love then. <laughs> doing what I love more than anything say <laughs> I left my mark on the world on the way out mm-hmm. for sure
0: I'd be like put, put in my will that if like I as a 90 year old die on millennium Force it is not the coaster's fault. I chose to go out this way.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So you've told us that Millennium Force is your favorite coaster.
0: Oh, yes. I have a whole story behind that.
1: Please share.
0: So, um, as I said earlier, my extended family, specifically my mom's brothers, are also hugely into roller coasters. And so every year we would take a family trip, my grandparents, all of them, both of her brothers, so all my cousins, I'm the oldest. So, you know, um, I wanted to, I wanted to ride with them. They were, they were the adults. I was the oldest kid. I wanted to do the cool things that they were doing. And so, and, you know, obviously I wasn't afraid of riding them at that point, but the, my only limitation was I was too short. So I, distinctly remember my mom prepping me for Millennium Force, hyping it up, like, for very long prior, because I was born in 99, Millie came out in 2000, and so they've known about Millie, and so much of my life was building up to just riding Millennium Force. I was obsessed with it before I even got on. I remember, like, I had a poster, an All About Me poster for my kindergarten class. I put Millennium Force on that with a big 48 above, and, like, I'm gonna ride that this summer because I am tall, and um, I I still have it. It's broken, but I kept it anyway in, like, a a little snow globe that I got after getting off of Millie from the cute little kiosk that's right outside the exit and um, oh my gosh riding that coaster just changed my life I fell in love it it was just the neatest thing and I think I was just so young that I imprinted on it or something <laughs> like because like no other coaster really did it for me until millennium Force. that was the granddaddy but then also because I was 48 inches that was my ticket into riding the big rides with my family and like that that was huge that was the first like 48 inches that's the first step to getting on some of the big coasters so that it was a very it was like a coming of age thing it was my rite of passage and that's why it means so much to me
1: wow what an incredible story to share Your crazy story on Millennium Force outdid my craziest story (laughs) by a mile. Mine was just a crazy rain ride on Orion.
0: Oh, I love rain rides.
1: (laughs) Oh, it was funny. It was uh, back in 2020 when we had to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. I have barely a, a second story I have with rain. It hadn't rained a drop the whole day at Kings Island. We waited for last train of the night for Orion. About five minutes before we got on, it started, I'm talking like tsunami, pouring in sheets. People were running out of line, going everywhere. You know, we're going to get soaked right into the car, so we may as well go ahead and ride. We had those masks on. Oh, my goodness. My kids were on the front row. I took the back on that last train. I had water up my nose. <laughs> I could not breathe. I'm blind without my glasses. I couldn't see a thing. I, we laughed and laughed and laughed all the way to the car. After that, and we went to Speedway. After we left the park, we got some really interesting looks. So yeah, that was my that was my crazy story I had to share.
0: That's awesome.
1: It had, it's yet to be topped.
0: It's a classic coaster enthusiast experience because it's, <laughs> who else would, uh, willingly ride i mean unless we waited like three hours for the thing even then maybe not but it else one ride in a rainstorm
1: <laughs> gotta do it for the cause
0: oh yeah man. it reminded <laughs> me of
1: that song hurts so good from the 80s yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> why not
0: it's like who cares if it feels like tiny little bb gun like bb bullets hitting you the whole time you just you gotta do it. It's a, it's a roller coaster sure
1: you can do it it's only how long you can do anything for that long At least it wasn't the beast. (laughs) For real. Okay, so Millennium Force is your favorite coaster. What is your least favorite coaster?
0: So weirdly, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I'm gonna say T3, but I love T3 it's just oh god that is the most painful thing I've ever ridden and, and I like painful rides I like being thrashed I mean you know I I grew up on Sunbeast I like being thrashed around I think and vertigo is fun <laughs> but uh t3 specifically the front row back row is okay front row t3 what uh, the absolute worst experience and the reason I put t3 is because I, I gave it some thought I wouldn't put a kiddie coaster that's like super boring but the kitty coaster successfully does what it sets out to do and so i realized that that's sort of how i need to measure this by and then i'm like you know what t3 unless if it is setting out to just completely obliterate me some some part of that engineering process was a little wrong so i i love it i love it for the meme i love it just because it is an absolute challenge but that's a painful run.
1: That's a painful ride. <laughs> Enjoy loving those painful rides while you can, yeah. <laughs> because at my age, I'm to the point where if it hurts on the level that those vacomas hurt, it's a one and done. <laughs> but I did find one that hurt a lot more than T three. Oh, really? Thunderhawk last year up at Michigan's Adventure. I've never felt shoulder pain like that in my life. I felt like it was going to sever my arms off of my body. And I had been told, oh, it's so good. This is one of the good ones. After my friend, Tyler's dad, actually, John wrote it because he was the one telling me it was so good. He said, let me rephrase that. It used to be good. That was terrible. (laughs) So enjoy it while you can, because as you get older, That pain isn't as forgiving as it once was. So you've told us a lot of the things that you've received from being in the Coaster community and how that's affected your life. What unique characteristics do you bring to the Coaster community?
0: My biggest thing that I want to bring is a sense of inclusion because that's what I really want to get out of the community. So it's sort of a, you get what you put in situation um, I make artwork. I do personified roller coasters with a whole web comic that's slowly coming out. I'm just just one person who got school and everything. <laughs> I'm trying. But um, in exploring my passion, I am able to connect with so many people who often share the same passion, which is great because then we get to connect even more and talk all about roller coasters and art and writing and it's fantastic. And so I want people, especially if they're new, coming into the community, I really want them to feel that sense of belonging, to feel like I have finally found a place where people want me here. People actually think that, like, they don't think I'm weird, they don't think I'm this, you know, this is my space to have fun and quite literally be myself. I can I don't have to hide my neurodivergent tendencies. You can't see my hands, but I am totally stimming off camera the whole time. But I, I don't have—I don't feel like I have to hide that just for the sake of coming off as less weird to my peers. And and having that experience has like because I've been in the community for around four years now, and it has completely changed my life. It has made me such a more confident. Person, confident in my abilities, confident in my um, relationships. And it's, it's been really special. I just want people to explore their passions and find that connectivity the way I have. And I want to be a person to help with that. I want to make sure everyone here feels included and like they belong.
1: I can really connect to some of the things that you said, because throughout my entire life from childhood, all the way well into adulthood, I felt weird. I never really fit in anywhere. I was very heavily bullied and picked on throughout school for really not having a place to fit, always trying to fit in, but really just not having a way to figure out how to do it. And it's taken me until I found the Coaster community to embrace that weirdness, for lack of a better term, the differences in my personality and appreciate that and harness it, own it, and just be who I am. Because I've found the more that I'm myself, the happier that everybody else is that's around me. And if you're not okay with the fact that I'm not like you or you're not like me, then that's okay. I don't have to have you in my circle. And that's, you know, been a big part of overcoming that codependency that I discussed earlier is realizing accept you as you are. Mm -hmm. Some will, some won't, and if they don't, it's their loss, time to move on.
0: Exactly, and that's, I feel the exact same way, um, especially in terms of the the LGBT plus community. Um, I'm bisexual, and when I first joined the community, a, li- a little less than welcoming in some regards. I may have lost some best friends, but it's okay now. <laughs> we have moved on. And the growth that I have seen in the community, because you know four years ago, I didn't really know anybody who was also um, who was also LGBT plus like me. But in the last four years, I have made so many friends and connections, like just more so than I would have just out in the world. <laughs> And that has also given me a really good sense of community and love and trust and support, um, especially when, I you mean know, because the community is very large, sometimes people can be a bit less than kind in those regards. But finding people within the space that you love that love and support you for who you are is so important. And so I'm very thankful that I've been able to find that in the community and Going back to what I said earlier, I want to make sure other people find that in the community as well. I'm very open to talking about anything LGBT plus related. So, you know, if, if you have questions or anything, pop into my DMs. Um, I, I want people to feel connected.
1: Yet again, I make a very strong connection with what you just disclosed to us here in this interview. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a very small town and. Um, you know, my nephew says it best, small towns produce small minds, And I really have come to see that throughout my adult life. I was raised to discriminate against gay, Black, anybody that looks different than you, anyone that lives differently than you. Basically, they're all going to hell. And um, I was I was forbidden to communicate with anyone that looked different than me, that could potentially be gay or anything of that nature. It, it wasn't allowed or there were going to be severe punishments in my house if I chose to interact with those people. Well, I went to college and I discovered after making friends with several people, you know, that didn't disclose things to me right away. One of my, be- you know, one of my friends in college, one of the first experiences I remember was after I had known her for quite a while I found out she was gay. And the more startling realization to me was that I didn't care. It didn't bother me because we were already good friends and I didn't care if she was gay. What I care more about is how you treat other people. That's what it's all about. And I really feel like I've been led to the school that I teach in for a reason. I teach in a school in inner city Louisville that we have 26 different languages spoken in our school. We are an ESL school. So we have students from all different nationalities. We have bisexual teachers. We have a transgender teacher. And yet again, I didn't know all of this from the get-go. And guess what? I don't care. Those, you know, again, it's how you treat other people. And when you're in a school setting, how do you serve other children? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you serve the children? Are you there for the kids? That's not something that even phases me anymore as to whether or not I'm going to include that person in my life. Absolutely. If you're a good person, you treat other people with kindness. That's what I'm all about. Come come on board. 1,010% And the Coaster community has just reiterated that as well. Mm -hmm. I've met so many people, you know, some are straight, some are gay, some are, you know, it's all different walks of life. And honestly, that is the last thing on my mind when I'm deciding whether or not you're someone that I want to build a friendship with.
0: Oh, yeah. And honestly, like at the end of the day, it's it's part of who I am. But what I want to be is just included. I want to, you know, I'm just like everybody else. I mean, I really like roller coasters. So maybe that's a little weird. but (laughs) but I am just like everybody else. We're all just like everybody else. And we don't want to be treated differently. We just, you know, it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. oh, you like roller coasters. I like roller coasters. Awesome. We're going to be friends now.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And the way I see it is you, it's like when I was talking about positive and negative mm-hmm. earlier, when you meet someone, you can choose to focus on the things that you have in common, or you can pick a part of- differences because you're not going to find any two people that are exactly the same and you're not you know you're not going to find two people that have absolutely nothing in common either Mm -hmm. so a lot of what becomes of your relationship with that person is what you choose to focus on Mm
0: -hmm.
1: okay so you've told us that you are very passionate about coaster theming What is your favorite coaster theming concept you have designed and why?
0: So funny story, you know, I have a lot of those. Um, Referencing back earlier to when I was talking about the Cedar Fair thematic universe, I went on this whole thing about connecting all these different rides, got a bunch of my friends involved. And so I came up with a little story for how each ride at King's Island fits with each other, specifically censoring out of the Bureau of Paranormal Activity slash Flight of Fear, um, and how a lot of the cryptids and mystic fit in, and basically how, at the time, it was this secret study under the guise of a regional theme park, Coney Mall. It's sort of hidden back there. They're using Coney Mall as the disguise to sort of hide their activities. Meanwhile, they are monitoring all of the cryptids that are popping up in the area, and so you have rides like the Bat, Banshee, Mystic Timbers, Beast, um, and then the late Son of Beast, like Outpost 5, 100% uh, crucial to the story. Um, Not a lot of people know this, but Outpost Five's lore, like the actual theming thread, I believe, is it's a sort of cryptid containment facility and like your your ride vehicle is like a surveillance vehicle. You're literally driving out into the field to check on the captured son of beast in the beast's queue. When you first walk in, um, there's two two, there's the main queue then to the right overflows to the left. And the bars, like the, these wooden bars go all the way up to the ceiling pretty much. And what's interesting is there's a sign above the main queue. says beast containment area two implying that the overflow is the first one and it's it's quite literally meant to look like a cage in my opinion because you have the beast terrorizing this mining company general area type of thing and you know they want to catch it that's sort of what got the ball rolling and so i you know i went on a whole mission to just connect everything that i could and then orion came out and then that like, like this is so amazing all all this new lore. And then people are like, no, Steph, Steph, you gotta go see what they put in Flight of Fear's exit. And I'm like, oh, did did we finally get the pictures back? Did we get the camera? No, it was so much better. They invented the Cedar Fair thematic universe, canonically. (laughs) And it's all under this organization called Atlas. And it quite literally is the surveillance of a bunch of different cryptids like that are the rides at the park under, you know, atlas and it it blew my mind it it blew my mind and the my favorite part is that they left millennium forest open that's a clean slate so when i get in there man (laughs) oh i am going to connect so many storylines with millie (laughs) so that that's that was the coolest thing i mean i was just i stayed there for so long just taking so many pictures, getting every single detail that I could, like it, what every single thing was written on every single clipboard, every single VHS tape, like what all the instruments are there for. It, oh my gosh, it was incredible. So that, yeah, that, that was my favorite thing that I came up with, but then strangely, it sort of in a way came to life. <laughs> so it was, it was like dream come true. I mean, I'm not the one who did it, but still dream come true.
1: Wow. I mean, your creativity is just boundless. And I I really just want to say that any company that has the privilege of hiring you to theme roller coasters, they're just going to be completely, it's going to be an honor to have you. I'm super excited to see once you're finished with school and everything, what you're able to bring to the amusement park industry in the area of theming because your ideas are just absolutely fantastic thanks Thanks. so I know you're very much into theming coasters but we also discussed earlier that you have a coaster comic what is the best comic character you've created and why do you think it's your best
0: hard questions I love so many of them Mill is the personification of Millennium Force, and she's the main character, you know, my favorite ride, <laughs> so naturally. But I'm really proud of her development. And alongside that is Fury, Fury325, for very similar reasons. Um, I, I was in, in, along with Dragster, too. Okay, yeah, three, but mainly Mill when it comes to developing characters in writing, each one of them gets a little piece of you. And it's really neat to sort of take that piece and watch it grow into something else. I'm a very firm believer in the characters write themselves. And so, you you know, you you explore, you draw, you come up with scenarios, and they quite literally write themselves. And through that, I've been able to make a lot of Mills development. And I have realized that it parallels, like it accidentally parallels a lot of my experiences with just sort of being different, but then also dealing with a lot of trauma. And like, I mean, I have depression, anxiety, I have taken a grippy sock vacation before, and it's it's, it's rough. And so it's, It was neat to really see that kind of come alive on paper and to see how this character that I came up with deals with it and copes this I mean the the good and the bad, you know, because I get to see her progress, I get to make her progress. And that was really special and then along with that I want to talk about dragster because drag dragster has the ADHD sort of element. And something that both characters have in common is that they really just want to do a good job. Mill really, you know, Mill's used to hearing that you did a good job. She kind of needs that validation. And Dragster is the one who messes up all of the time. And so he doesn't really get to hear that validation. He just gets to hear, you know, how sporadic he is <laughs> the, the kind of dumb like what what dumb did thing did you do now kind of thing and it a lot of it is um inspired by my own experiences and um you know things that you hear when you have ADHD and you know other stuff going on and so it it's been nice to work with those characters because in doing so I get to work through my own emotions with that and in my opinion it just makes the experience much more rich and so th- they're my favorites just because I have such a personal connection with them and then I really like Fury because she's she's just cool <laughs> she has got I don't want to say too much because spoilers but like she there there's a lot of like connection with her and Mill and I and a lot of parallels to explore and so I I'm really excited about that (laughs) I it's funny how they became rivals because you know it's weird to pit Millennium Force and Fury against each other I guess but when I first joined the community that was the conversation going on at the time Millennium Force versus Fury 325 and you know I was brand spanking new to like I always loved coasters but like the community brand spanking new too and so I was like, oh man, like, I didn't even know what Fury was. And I was like, I, I don't know what Fury is, but I don't like it because I love Millie. I don't like Fury if everyone's saying that it's better. <laughs> so that, that, not my Millennium Forest,
1: <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, that's just amazing. You've taken two different topics, combined them into one. We have coaster therapy. Mm-hmm. We have art therapy. Yeah. So it sounds like you have created your own coaster art therapy which I just think is awesome. I can relate to you as well. My son has autism and ADHD. So that's something he's had to work to overcome the struggles throughout his life. He's 16 and my daughter has ADHD as well. She's getting ready to turn 13 in a week. And uh, we have some things, you know, that come along with ADHD that she's still working on. But a lot of the things that you said, I've heard come straight from my daughter many, many times. And it's, you know, that she's going through some of the same things that you've dealt with, trying to figure out where she fits in. And it's a struggle socially because when she gets really excited, she wants to talk. Then she's blurting out and interrupting and people perceive that as rude Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and she needs to be kept in line. Well. The other, the flip side of that is she shuts down and she doesn't want to talk to anybody. And she gets, she deals with this. So she has a lot of social anxiety too. Mm -hmm. And when pressured to talk, she will, if the the anxiety kicks in, she doesn't, people don't real. a lot of people don't realize this. She really doesn't have control of what she's saying. When the anxiety takes over, Mm -hmm. random things will just fly out. Sometimes it's not always appropriate. After you know, socially appropriate after the fact, she's very apologetic. She can't, you know, believe that she said it. But one of the things I've learned is to not pressure her, let her talk when and if she's ready to talk. And if she's not ready to talk, just let her be. And um, when I can get other adults to understand that, things go really well. Mm -hmm. When other adults don't understand that, things don't go so well. Mm -hmm. So and I'm sure it sounds like you totally get that as well. But oh, yeah, that, that's something we are, she's right in the middle of the, the struggle. Mm-hmm. We're getting better as we go along. Okay, so with your coaster comic, where can that work be found?
0: So I post all the pages to my Instagram account called Emotional Roller Coasters. And they are all under the if you want to find them all in one place, because you know they're way down through the feed. If you want to find them all in one place, they're all under hashtag ERC webcomic. And that should, you know, if it doesn't have all the pages, let me know because sometimes I miscount. (laughs) but that should have everything there. Um, If the art style looks a little different, that's because it is. I used to have some more people working on the comic with me, um, some old friends, but we have since gone separate ways. And so it is just me now. Um, and that's why it kind of takes a little bit for each page to come out, but I've been able to maintain a healthy work life balance with that, with my school and other things going on. So that yay mental health, but I promise new pages are coming. I have one and a half of them done, ready to go. I'm trying to stockpile on pages right now so that I can sort of, for at least a time period, post them more regularly but I'm, I'm really excited. It's a webcomic about roller coaster, or sorry, webcomic about robots built as personified roller coasters, but it takes place after, this is going to sound weird, it takes place after a pandemic. This idea was started in 2017, so it is pre-COVID, but, oh, and and then by the time COVID happened, it was like, well, we just got to roll with it, I guess, Um, and so it's, The, you know, the the results of that pandemic were much more dire than what they were, not that the results of this one weren't, you know, a a tragedy, but this one, like, quite literally, like, the parks are abandoned, there's no people on the streets, and so it's, you get to see these robots who were built to entertain everybody, then suddenly have to, I mean, and they were built with experimental AI that allows them to feel emotions, but like suddenly they are out of their element and they have to deal with a lot of the mental health fallout of that. And on top of that, there is a threat looming over them. If something is happening where they're losing connection with some of these other parks. They're far away. It's you know not exactly easy to just travel to them. It's a bit of a journey that they have to take. Um, and so, and, and somebody is kind of, taken out these parks, taken over and they have to figure out what's going on and put a stop to that.
1: <laughs> I want to thank you for bringing awareness to the topic of mental health, which is extremely important. I myself make a very strong connection to that. I was raised by a my mother had bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and depression. My sister has bipolar disorder as well. There are also a number of other mental mental illnesses that run down my mother's side of the family. Fortunately, I've never dealt with it directly, but I've seen how it affects other people. And I think one of the most important things in the, not just in the coaster community, but in our world is making people know that it's okay to not be okay and bringing awareness to the mental health needs. And the pandemic really just multiplied that. It led to isolation for many, many people, which led to depression. Saw a lot of that as a school teacher, kids coming back to school for the first time that had not been around other kids in over a year, just almost like a shell shock sort of thing. And the impact that it's had on our world is a very real thing. And to just brush mental health under the rug and act like it's not a big deal. All it does is fuel the fire. It makes the problem worse and can lead to a worst case scenario for people that are suffering, that are in need of being heard, finding acceptance and getting the help that they need to live a positive life. So we just discussed your comic characters and where you're able to find that. Where is your artwork available to be purchased and what types of products are available?
0: So my artwork is, uh, you can find all of my art pieces on my Instagram account, um, Emotional Roller Coasters. But I do have a Redbubble account where much of the pieces I produce are put onto Redbubble and you can quite literally get them on a boggling amount of products. I format each piece for products that it fits on and goes with, um, I mean, it, and there's tons, there's like tons of artwork in there because there's so many roller coasters that people enjoy. I, I try to have something for everyone, um, but also a lot of Cedar Point stuff because I have a lot of pictures from there. <laughs> and so we're we're expanding I use my own photography as reference and so I I do I do pieces for both parks that I've been to and coasters that inspire me um and you know I, I have some artwork hanging up behind me from some other amazing artists in the community uh Pursuit of Thrills and Made to Thrill I I love them but um it's it's really nice because it's at least the art side of the coaster community, it's a lot of supporting each other. And I have a lot of people who mentor me and there's a lot of people that I help as well. And it's, it's nice. So, um, you know, you support one artist, like check, check everybody else out. You know, we all have a lot of really cool pieces to offer. Um, I have my, I have some of my art here. I'll show you. I have some of my art to too. Um, but I, I have um, my Kentucky Kingdom poster. And I have my Vortex poster hanging up in my dorm and it's, I love it. And also I'm wearing my, one of my Raptor shirt designs. I, but yeah, <laughs> so we're getting into that, whole ADHD talkative phase. That's I love com- talking about things I'm passionate
1: about. That, and I think that's awesome. I would rather you talk a whole lot and say everything that you have to say then think about it later Mm -hmm. and go, geez, there's things I wish I could have said and I didn't say it. Why didn't I say it?
0: Oh, speaking of things I should have said, my Redbubble account is called um, ERC Comic, but I put emotional roller coasters in all of the tags. And so if you just type in emotional roller coasters and the Redbubble search bar, it should come up or just, you know, look for just search roller coaster search theme park amusement,
1: whatever other tags I usually put in those pieces and I think it's just awesome the way all of the artists are supporting each other because you know that's one of this that's one of the things that this podcast is about Mm -hmm. is really promoting connectivity and supporting each other (laughs) and keeping the bullies out because one one thing that I personally have zero tolerance for And I know this podcast too has zero tolerance for is people that want to go out of their way, you know, to, I guess, be better than everybody else, make fun of other people, bring people down. And just the fact that you are a successful artist and you're sitting here right in front of me and showing me that you support other artists, other artists are supporting you. That's right. There is what it's podcast is all about. And what. All of the wonderful, positive people in this community are all about. So, thank you for sharing that.
0: The funny thing is, it's a, it all. It wasn't always like that. Um, I so it's. I feel like my art has really gotten to where it is today because of character growth that I've personally gone through. Um, when I first joined the community, like years and years ago, I was 17 and very insecure <laughs> with myself. Um, I'm still trying to break out of the mindset of my value is based on the work I can produce both in quantity and quality and the reason being is because if you know mentally if people saw me for the artwork that I made then maybe they wouldn't notice how weird I thought I was or how loud or talkative I can be or you know how I do funny things with my hands but um it it led me down a very toxically competitive path and what i thought was just a drive to want to be the best which was very much praised in my household like you like, like be, it wasn't just like do your best it was like, like be the best you know um i wanted to be the best artist not just like my own improvement i'm like i want to be the best out there and it made me really worried about what people thought of me how my art was being perceived, you know, I, I would stare at my phone looking like, you know, what, what's the rate of likes, how fast are they coming in when I just post a piece, and it tanked my mental health, it's exhausting, and it's not sustainable, that level of perfectionism I'm learning is not sustainable, and since I have been making changes to that, like, after coming to that realization, like, taking active strides, like, catch myself, when I start thinking like that again, It's like, take that step back, Um, it has greatly improved my mental health and my relationships, like, I, I've always wanted to, like, help other people, but it's, like, it's, like, I'll help you, but, like, I'm still the best, right, like, and, and, and now it's just, like, this, this bit, like I am celebrating other people's accomplishments as much as I would be celebrating my own. And that's the kind of community I want to foster. Like, I'm, I'm confident enough in my own abilities now that it doesn't matter what other people are producing, so long as I myself have been, am, am improving from where I was the day prior and it's, it's great. It's, 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 I mean, at least in my perspective, it's helped uh, um, me connect with others. And I hope that other artists can also, you know, continue to connect in that way.
1: Absolutely. It's always a philosophy of mine that happy people that are secure with themselves don't go around trying to bring other people down. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm very much like you are. I can connect that to my teaching as Mm -hmm. well. If I see somebody that's doing something better than I am, if I'm struggling with a student day in and day out. And this teacher never has any problems with this kid. Mm -hmm. I can make my own situation and that child's situation with me a whole lot better, or I can make it a whole lot worse. Mm -hmm. So instead of this, I have all the answers attitude, I've been teaching for 23 years. I'm going to go straight to that person. Basically, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Mm -hmm. Can you help me, Mm -hmm. you know, help me, you know, help me get better here. And that's what it's all about is building each other up. And I'm just of the philosophy where if you're going around trying to tear other people down, there's really not a place for you in this community. Okay. So what advice can you give to those who are listening? that might be, you know, they've got challenges of their own that they're facing. What advice can you give to those people that are maybe on the brink of overcoming a situation, but they're just not there yet?
0: I would say reach out, reach out to other people um, and make those connections. Don't wait for the connections to happen. And certainly don't wait for things when it comes to asking for help. Certainly don't wait for things to get so bad that it is dire, and then it's, like, help has to come to you, because the situation is just so bad. Um, I've been, I struggle with asking for help so much. I'm a very independent person, but, like, it's embarrassing to ask for help almost, and and I've had to, and thankfully, my professors um, have been very, very good this semester with working with me um I'm very smart but not very good at school and so school's quite the challenge for me and the spicy brain things that I have going on but um I quite literally learned the other day that you know I've been stressing and stressing and stressing over finals and I finally just I I sat down I mean I've been communicating on and off but talked to my teacher about it like at length with like what's really going on and Coming up with a solution for improving my grades and what I can do better, and and the I thought that she was going to be so disappointed in me because I was so disappointed in myself, but she wasn't. She was very very happy to help, and I mean the the the, the floodgates opened up. I just started crying and. And so I would, I would tell people it's like, reach out, you know, I've, I've, I've been to the hospital for mental health reasons. I, and and I've had to go through a lot of BS in my life, um, especially being like LGBT plus, especially being like, um, neurodivergent. And it's, it's a lot easier when you reach out to other people to, help you with that. Don't be embarrassed to reach out. Don't feel disappointed in yourself for reaching out. Reaching out is not a sign that you failed. It's a sign that you are getting better. You are seeking improvement. So like, yeah, you're getting better. It's not a failure part. Why can't I get it through my head? But yeah, it's it's good. And then on top of that, follow your passions. I mean, we're all weird here. We all like roller coasters. Like, what's that? You know, I, I I think to myself all the time. You know, like normal normal girls, normal girls, they go home and they watch The Bachelor. I'm sorry if anybody listening likes The Bachelor. Um, if, if you're boring, you can just say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like you know what? I could be watching The Bachelor and let The Bachelor just consume my life, or I can know the intricate details of how a roller coaster works, what block breaks are, what, and then, uh, you know, in addition, take my existing passions and writing and art, like I've always wanted to be a published author, I get to live out some of that dream with the webcomic here, and I, I get to take things I love and combine them and create something entirely new, and when I first started doing this, it was weird to personify roller coasters, but you know what, I did not care. I loved doing it. I still do, and I still continue to do it. And I don't really care what anyone thinks about it. I just do it because I like it. And so, if you know, just follow those passions and don't let people take those passions away from you because they're what make you happy. It doesn't have to be what makes them happy. Who cares what makes them happy? It's what makes you happy. And so that, and of course, ask 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 for help. It's not a failure to ask for help. Ask for help. That's my academic advice for everybody. (laughs) advice follow your passions no matter how weird
1: they are take that weird and just roll with it weird
0: is interesting you could be watching the bachelor
1: (laughs) so how would you answer that question in relation to overcoming fear what advice would you have for people that are hesitant to overcome fear in their life maybe it's riding a roller coaster maybe it's something else
0: every step that you get closer is improvement and you have to look at that you know um i'm able to ride such huge rides because i have a laundry list of rides that i've already ridden and if i can do that well this one's not much different and on top of that it's one of those things where it's like the fear building up beforehand is honestly worse than while you're on the actual ride it's like getting a shot get like everything up until the shot is awful i hate getting shots and then it's like as soon as it's done it's like oh all right that's it really okay um and so it's you quite literally just like drugstores launch you just gotta rip off the band-aid and it and celebrate the progress you have made because you are capable and the little voice in your head that says you're not is just the seed of doubt that something else is planted in your mind. It's not the reality of the situation. And so when you approach it logically, it's quite easy to see that, you know, it's like, the, this is perfectly fine. This is perfectly safe. I know how roller coasters work. I, I you know, I could, it, I, you could literally look up YouTube videos for how a roller coaster works, and then poof, it's not a mystery anymore. I know how it works. So it's all right, I can ride it. It's one of those things. And so you've got to take it, take it steps at a time and celebrate those past accomplishments. Like, you know, I am afraid to check my emails. It's, I have 16,000 unread emails. I hate checking emails. I really do. But every time I do it's, you know, I, it's like, okay, I, I did this. That's good. And then every time I'm nervous again, I'm like, Hey, I, I literally did that earlier. I can do this again. And, and then it gets easier every time you, you build that level of, confidence you do it once and you can do it again you know it's
1: good absolutely each step is a step in the right direction and just try to do better each day than you did the day before
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and when you get down we're all going to get down sometimes get back up you may have taken two steps forward I mean two steps back now let's take five more steps forward oh yeah it's a journey
0: you got to just keep taking those steps you know
1: and I'm like you when it comes to needles I'm a big baby I'm always one of these that says that I'm not going to look. And then after they do it, I'm like, that's it. Yeah. Why am I still scared to death of looking at you do it? I don't I don't know. Cuz mm-hmm. so I'm I'm afraid if I watch, I'll I'll pull away and injure myself.
0: I I actually um I'll I'll scratch, I'll like tickle my arm, like lower down on my arm cuz you know, they're doing the shot up here. I'm scratching like over here, and it tricks your brain and so you're picking up so many sensations; it kind of dilutes the sensation of the prick up here. So, That's little, little light
1: to try hack: sometimes shots. I'll have to try that. It's a great nice. idea.
0: Yeah, it, it helps a little bit. I learned that as a doctor one time. That no, was great.
1: Okay, now I know that you said you can be found on social media at Emotional Roller Coasters on Instagram. Are there any other places we can find you on social media?
0: Yeah, I have a TikTok account. Called Space Coaster Stuff. Uh, it was originally created to just be sort of like its own thing, and now I post roller coaster stuff on there <laughs> because you know what? I this is what I do. I like roller coasters. I post roller coaster content. Um, eventually, I'll be moving um, more art content onto TikTok as well, and so then there'll be a mix of coaster memes and coaster art, which would be a lot of fun. So you can find me at Emotional Roller Coasters on Instagram and. It's Space space Toaster Stuff on TikTok.
1: Well, I have really enjoyed talking with you today. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.